Welcome to Canine Chat, the show where we talk about dogs, discuss controversial topics, breed facts, essential information and more. My name is Maddie and I'm a trainer in training currently studying a certificate in dog care and training. My goal for this podcast is to teach you about dogs and talk about some of the weird, amazing and sometimes gross things they do. In today's episode, we will be discussing travelling with dogs, how to start and end a training session on a good note, the benefits of playing fetch, why dogs pant, as well as the dog of the day, my top five first things to teach a dog, a story about a tree climbing kelpie, and of course, a daily dog joke. To start off today's first discussion, we're going to be talking about dogs and travel. Obviously, pets are like family. They're our fur babies, and that means you're going to want to take them with you everywhere you go. Whether you go on holidays a lot and like to take your pets, or you travel for a living, here's a guide to travelling with dogs and how to make it more comfortable and easier for both you and them. Whether you're travelling by car, plane or train, they're all going to be new and strange environments for your dog. Travelling with pets can be fun, and did you know that over 20% of dog owners take their dogs with them on holidays? Travelling with dogs isn't difficult if you do your research and become familiar with the preparation needed beforehand. We'll go through all methods of transport, including car, plane, train, and bus. Car travel is the most common way of traveling both long and short distance. Normally, dogs will enjoy this experience more than you. The first and most important thing is to make sure you have a suitable restraint or carrier for your dog. It can be a pet carrier, crate, seatbelt, or tie-up system in the back of your ute tray. Making sure your dog is restrained and safe in the car is your first priority. Just like humans, dogs also need seatbelts. One tip I'll add to this is if you're going to use a leash or rope restraint, make sure your dog is wearing a harness, not a collar, because I've heard of way too many dogs getting choked in accidents because they're connected to their collar and not a harness. Another great thing to remember is when traveling with a dog in the car, pack extra water and take breaks often so your dog can stretch their legs and go to the toilet just like humans. Make sure your dog is wearing some form of identification like a collar or a tag just in case the worst happens and you get in an accident or your dog escapes the car and someone needs to identify them. Next up, plane travel. Before your dog gets on a plane, the airline will usually need to check if your pup is at least 8 weeks old and fully vaccinated. Most airlines will ask you to place your pet in a crate and they will be stowed away in the cargo with the other pets on board. Plane travel is generally safe for dogs, but just like luggage, they can get lost or put on the wrong plane, so make sure you double check bookings and make sure they get to the correct destination. Not every dog can travel on a plane. Some airlines will only let well-behaved, non-aggressive dogs on board, so if your dog has behavioural issues, double check with the airline if they can fly. Dogs with high anxiety or travel sickness might also be unfit to fly. If you've got questions, the best thing you can do is check with your vet. I would recommend not feeding your dog at least 8 hours before the flight. You don't want to get your dog back and they've thrown up or had an accident on the flight. I'll tell you, it's the worst. If your dog is a little stressed before flying, place a t-shirt or a jumper that you've recently worn in their carrier. It can help reduce the stress. Now on to train travel. It can vary from state to state in Australia, but here in Victoria, no pets are allowed on trains unless they are an assistance dog or seeing eye dog. Animals with a permit issued by the state's public transport company are also allowed on trains. The same rules apply to buses as well. Now, before travelling on a holiday or long distance with your dog anywhere, it's best to take them to the vet to get a health checkup and also take them to a groomer so they are clean and smell good for the trip. It's a clever idea to pack a bag or suitcase for your pet separate to your ones with their collars, leads, food, water, bowls, bedding, treats, toys, medications and documents in it as well. Keep your vet's number handy and find out the local emergency vet in the area you're travelling to and keep their number handy too. 
Having pet insurance is a great way to make sure your dog is covered if anything bad happens as well. I know if I was travelling with my dog, I would rather be safe than sorry. Keep in mind, dogs love routine and when travelling to a new place such as an apartment or holiday park, you need to keep that routine going. For example, if your dog sleeps in a crate every night, bring their crate and make sure they sleep in it on holiday too. Another example of keeping the routine is by feeding them at the same time every day as you would at home normally. By keeping a routine, your dog will be less stressed and less likely to exhibit any unwanted behaviours while on holiday. The last thing you want is your dog to chew up the nice couch in the holiday house all because you forgot to keep your routine. And that is a rundown on how to travel with your pet safely and comfortably while enjoying a stress-free, pet-friendly getaway. Moving on, I'm going to be talking about the top 5 things you should be teaching your dog first. When I did training for clients, I would give them a homework sheet labelled the first five and on that list would be the first five commands I wanted them to start working on with their dog before anything else. Whether they had a puppy or an older dog, these commands were the first things we would start working on before moving on to other commands and behaviours. The commands are sit, down, stay, come and leave it. These commands build foundation in future training and I'll quickly explain why each one is important. Sit is the easiest command to teach any dog and requires little time and skill to learn. It's a foundation skill for other commands too and teaches your dog basic listening and discipline skills. Down, drop, lay down or whatever you want to call it is a great skill to teach your dog. It's a natural position for them and again, it is a foundation skill for future commands. Lay down also relaxes your dog in a laying position compared to sitting or standing. Stay is a great skill for your dog to learn boundaries and impulse control. It's a lifelong command you'll use in everyday life. Teaching your dog to come when cold is one of the most important things your dog will ever learn. I cannot stress this enough when I say all dogs should have a solid recall before they are let off leash off your property. Leave it is another key skill that requires a lot of impulse control from your dog. It may also save your dog's life one day in case there's something poisonous or toxic on the ground that your dog can't eat. I believe these are the very first things you should be teaching your dog no matter how young or old. You can teach an old dog new tricks and if you want to know how to teach your dog these behaviours, tune in for our next episode where I go more in depth into the first five and tell you how to train your dog to do each one. Staying on the topic of training, I'm going to talk about why starting and ending a training session on a good note is super important and how you can do it yourself. Dogs learn best when their mind is focused, relaxed and happy, just like humans essentially. The best time to do a training session with your dog is when they are calm and not stressed or hyped up. But not only does your dog need to be stress free, but you do as well. Your dog can sense your moods and tell when you are frustrated or tense, so it's best to initiate a training session when both you and your dog are in calm, happy moods. Start off the session by going over some commands that your dog already knows, such as sit, down, stay, etc. Practice for a few minutes before moving on to whatever command or behaviour you're learning or working on. Aim to keep your training sessions short and sweet, 10 to 15 minutes max with the session going for no longer than 20 minutes. If you want to work your dog extra hard, make sure you give them a 10 minute break and continue with another 10 to 15 minute session after they've had a chance to wind down. When finishing a training session, go over what you've worked on and make sure you are staying positive and upbeat with your tone and body language. You don't want your dog to get bored or think you've lost interest in what they're doing. Remember, dogs have a short attention span and keeping it can be challenging, especially if you have a high energy breed. 
Always finish a training session on a good note by stopping the session after they've done an excellent job on something. For example, if you're trying to train your dog how to walk on a loose leash, finish the training session once they've walked a few steps without pulling. Give them lots of praise and finish up with a small playtime. This will keep your dog engaged in learning and they'll remember the training session in a positive way, which is exactly what we want. Now, if you're five minutes into a training session and you feel like you and the dog aren't working well for the day, just stop and try again later before the frustration kicks in. It's better for everybody that way. Everyone has bad days, including dogs, and the best thing to do is stop and work on it later instead of pushing them to keep going if they aren't feeling it. Now I'm going to discuss the many benefits of playing fetch with your dog. Fetch is an easy game to play with your dog. It pretty much involves you throwing a ball or toy in the distance, your dog running after it, picking it up and bringing it back to you. Playing fetch with your dog offers some tremendous benefits for both you and your pet. Now think about this. If you didn't do anything but lounge around the house all day, you'd be bored. Dogs get bored too. Fetch offers a way to keep your dog mentally stimulated while working their brain. It builds their focus and concentration since they are completing the task given to them on the spot. Another benefit of Fetch is that it can improve your dog's behaviour. A lot of behavioural issues stem from boredom and frustration. It can be caused by lack of playtime, causing their minds to be understimulated. Most breeds need to be given a job or they'll find something to do in your home and I'm telling you now, you will not like it. Fetching a toy or ball is that job. Fetch doesn't just give great mental benefits but also physical benefits for both you and your dog. Since the game involves throwing a ball, you're getting a physical arm workout while your dog gets a leg workout from running to retrieve the ball. Simply engaging with your dog through fetch can boost happiness for the both of you as well. You can see the joy from your dog as they wag their tail in anticipation for you to throw the ball or toy again. Fetch helps build the bond between you and your dog too. The bond built in fetch builds trust between you and your dog. Whether you play fetch in your backyard, the local dog park, a footy oval or from the comfort of your own living room, it's an amazing game to play with your dog and has tons of benefits. Now it's time to talk about the breed of the day. I'll give you a few quick hints to see if you can figure it out. They're one of the most popular breeds worldwide. They are known for their athletic ability and compete in sports often because of it. And their name also has something to do with their appearance. Any guesses? If you said Golden Retriever, you would be correct. They are the breed of the day. Goldens are one of my favourite breeds and they have an interesting history, so let's learn a bit more about these dogs and what makes them so popular and amazing. The Golden Retriever is a medium-sized dog breed originating from Scotland in the Retriever group. The breed is characterised by a gentle and affectionate nature and a beautiful golden coat. It is one of the most frequently registered breeds in several countries. The breed was purposely created by Sir Dudley Madhuri Banks in the late 19th century. His goal was to breed the best retriever dog in the world that would be a great pet as well as a hard-working dog that would complete the job given to them. He did this by crossbreeding flat-coated retrievers with tweed water spaniels as well as some other retriever breeds like the Labrador to create the striking golden retriever we know and love today. The breed was first recognised by the Kennel Club in 1913 and soon after the breed gained popularity across the globe. A short time after World War I, the popularity and demand of golden retrievers increased dramatically and in 1927 the Canadian Kennel Club recognised the breed, followed by the American Kennel Club in 1932. 
The first examples of the breed were registered in Australia in 1937. According to the Kennel Club breed standard, dogs stand from 51 to 61 centimetres tall and typically weigh between 25 and 34 kilograms. Larger or smaller dogs outside the Kennel Club standard can also be seen. Now on to looks, they have a broad head, brown eyes set well apart, a wide muzzle, black nose and ears of moderate size hanging with a slight fold. Their neck is muscular and the shoulders are long bladed and set back. Their body has a deep chest with large ribs and their long straight tail is usually carried flat in line of the back. Their striking double coat comes in multiple shades of cream, yellow and gold ranging from almost orange to a shade of off-white. There has been known to be golden retrievers with brown or liver coloured coat variations, but they are not recognised by the Kennel Club and cannot be registered to compete in shows or sports. They're still gorgeous though. Their personality is considered intelligent, gentle-natured and very affectionate. I can agree. They're calm and easy to train and keen to please their owner. This makes them perfect candidates to be trained as assistance dogs, therapy dogs and they make great pets for families with children too. You'll frequently see Golden Retrievers competing in dog shows and sports due to their looks and smarts. The Golden Retriever is one of the most common breeds of pet dog today and is among the top 10 dog breeds by number of registrations in the UK, US, Australia and Canada. Golden Retrievers are a generally healthy breed. They can suffer from hip dysplasia, but genetic testing can usually prevent it from happening. Their average lifespan is 10 to 12 years, but if you look after them and keep their weight and health under control, they can live to 15 years or over. The oldest golden retriever, known as Orgy, lived to the age of 20 years old. Now what's not to love about this breed? They make great family pets and that's why golden retrievers are my overall favourite breed in the dog world. Moving on to one of the most frequently asked questions I get as a trainer, why do dogs pant? This question actually has a super short and simple answer, but not a lot of people know it. Dogs pant because it's their way of cooling off. Believe it or not, dogs don't have sweat glands like us humans, so they had to figure out another way of staying cool. Panting. Panting is where a dog breathes through their mouth, usually with their tongue out. The respirations will be quick and rhythmic. There are some reasons where panting is a sign of stress or discomfort. You might notice laboured breathing or excessive drooling. Now, if you notice anything abnormal about your dog's breathing, see a vet as soon as possible. But in conclusion, the simple reason dogs pant is just to cool off. Have you ever heard of a dog that could climb trees? Meet Bill, the Australian Kelpie who learnt that he could climb trees in a very abnormal way. I found this story online and it was submitted by Lorraine Noonan from New South Wales. In 1980, our family, I, my husband Brian, and our daughters Sally and Rebecca, moved from the Big Smoke, Sydney, to 40 hectares in Lochinvar in New South Wales, Hunter Valley. And of course, we had to have a dog, a cute long-haired Kelpie pup named Bill. When Bill was 18 months old, we started renovations on our home. He now had extra company from the builders when the workmen sat under a very old jacaranda. A small frilled neck lizard frequented that tree, and the builders used to encourage Bill to jump up in pursuit. Bill never did catch that lizard, but he found out that with one bound he could make it comfortably to the fork of the tree, which provided a seat for him to view the countryside and catch any cool breezes. From that time, if we uttered the words, up the tree Bill, that's what he did. 
It became quite a party trip for Bill and entertainment for visitors to see this fox-like dog smiling down from his perch. The first time I read this story, I was amazed. I find it unbelievable how some dogs naturally just have that athletic ability to climb trees or even walls. I see it on TikTok and YouTube and online all the time and I just, yeah, just my jaw drops every time. We're almost at the end of this podcast episode and to finish it off, I've got a dog joke for you guys. Get ready for some cringe. What do dogs get after they graduate college? They're masters. I hope you enjoyed and if you have any questions, go check out our Instagram page at K9Chat and if you can, please share my podcast and get your friends with dogs to take a listen as there's some essential info coming up in the next few episodes they won't want to miss. See you in the next episode.